0: Welcome to the Women's Cycling the... Weekly Podcast, the first one of 2023. Hey Tilda, how was your Hello. Christmas? How was your new year? It feels like ages ago now.
1: Yeah, it's been good, eh? But I'm looking forward to... New year, new races, new season, back to work. How was your Christmas? Yeah, it was good. It's
0: nice to spend some time with the family, eat my weight in chocolate, et cetera, et cetera. But looking forward to, well, I'm glad that normal life has kind of it's restarted and looking forward to racing. I think this is going to be a good season.
1: Yeah, I have a good feeling about it too. I feel like 2022 was just so like crazy with, loads of new races new teams new riders whereas now we're like settling in calendar I mean we're kicking off with a new race in Tour Down Under but second Tour de France fam stuff like that we're starting to like settle in and it won't be all just crazy new stuff we'll actually have some um we'll actually just be able to focus on the racing
0: yeah yeah no I think um that's yeah like the Tour de France is established a bit now and like because last year it was kind of there were two halves, we talked about this, of the season where it's kind of pre-tour and then the tour and then after everything seemed a little bit like less hype around it. Um, so hopefully it, this time with the tour not being such a shiny new thing, then um, we can have focus on the whole season, which is a longer still this year than it was last year. There's now like 80-odd Women's World Tour race days um so a lot to look forward to but it's going to be busy <laughs> anyway before we kind of get ahead of ourselves with all that um should we have a look at the week in women's cycling which has been pretty quiet i mean there's been racing in the form of um australian national championships um which a really great win for brodie chapman in the road race um i don't think there's i think most people were really happy to see brodie take the win there um Really deserved and and good to see her thriving already on Trek Sigafredo. Um, And then we had Grace Brown um, winning the TT for, I think it was the second year in a row. Is that right? Um, And then Amber Pate won the crit as well. So she's a new rider for. um, Jacob Alula. This is the time of year where we get used to all the new team names and all the new jerseys and get it wrong all the time. Um, speaking of which some of the new kits have been revealed um not all of them yet and we're waiting we are waiting because we've got an exciting kind of review of them from none other than abby mickey coming up um the queen of kit reviews my favorite time of year truly um so when they're all out we will be bringing you that um but yeah SD works theirs has come out um, what did you say it was given you compared it to something
1: well this is hard to explain like, if you're not looking at it so everyone listening get up a picture now of the SD works kit there you go you have it now the bit on the chest it looks like Simba it looks like the <laughs> outline of Simba the, uh, the little the cave drawing yeah the painting like... that Rafiki does it looks exactly like it trust me trust
0: me <laughs> Okay, well, well, Tilda's singing songs from The Lion King every time she sees SG works now, um, EF have also had theirs. Let's not do a full-on review, but I have to say, I it was a bit boring for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, we expect a lot from EF these days, and it's like, you can't just make it pink every year and expect us to be still excited. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> we demand more. Um Jaco's changed slightly a little bit less like pinky purpley, which I'm all for because I think mm, the mm. weird distinction um wasn't a huge fan last time. Um Tilda's favorite team, their kits come out, Israel Premier Tech roll on, which is basically pretty much like the men's Israel Premier Tech kit. Yeah. You
1: know? I quite like it though. Yeah, it's it's very blue. We've got a lot of blue kits going on.
0: Of blue, yeah. In both the men's and women's peloton, there's lot yeah, of blue, yeah, yeah, blue everywhere. Uh, UAEs, I quite like UAEs as well. Little, large, yeah. Though shady. it's funny
1: looking at um Lizzie Holden wearing it. She just like she she just looks like she's wearing a uh, Nicole Wahoo kit. So <laughs> God, not much shit. <laughs> <laughs> that is
0: so true. It's quite similar the colours. Yeah, mm. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, and Trek Trek have have kind of gone for if it don't if it isn't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, just mess that up. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, They've not really done too much, have they? They've not tweaked it. No, quite a few
1: teams. DSM is just the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, you don't have to do a redesign, but it is less exciting for us in January if we don't get it. It a- is. However, early.
0: on the topic of that, Uno X on um, both the men's and women's team have decided to not change anything about their kit because it, saves waste on the previous because it is true that like these teams get like they order way more kit than they need they have like piles and piles of new kit that's got you know they change like one sponsor and all the kit has to be remade and then the old kit is just like wasted and not great for the environment etc so I think that's quite good from them like it's boring like you say for us um but I think it's a good thing Um to save waste. So yeah, full review of that. We can probably chip in as well, but you know, Abby's the one everybody wants to hear from. Let's be real. Um, next up, we've had loads of cross racing. And we're not going to cover every result from all over Christmas, because we've got that in the newsletter in last week's issue. So go back and check that out. But Zonovan was at the weekend and it was a Sandy race which which had like a big off camp I just don't know what I'm talking about like an off camp like descent thing in it and Pork and Femme did they both crash in the same place they both had mares
1: so. yeah um I s- and I saw a clip from the junior race where basically it's just dominoes on that section
0: yeah pretty dodge but um yeah so Sharon Van Anroy went on to win that after me saying um, in a different podcast I actually never saw the light of day so actually I'm quite glad about that but I was sort of thinking the other day um there was more of like a two horse race in in women's cross at the minute between Puck and Femme but Sharon Van Anro has really stepped up um and I think she's gonna be um right up there like at worlds. like she's definitely like on equal footing as a contender I think which news is also that Puck Peterson is going to race the elite race, um, which is exciting because I think it would have taken some of the shine off it if she raced the under-23 race because then, you know, we don't get to see, like, the battle between the two-slash-three top riders. Um, yeah. Some non-news as well is that the Vuelta España course was revealed for the men, but not the women. How do we
1: feel about this? Oh, man. Yeah, we were talking about this a bit before Christmas, weren't we? That we still had no idea about the the women's race. Um, they, to be fair to them, they didn't make any suggestion that they were going to announce the women's race. But I think a lot of people just made a bit of an assumption that they're announcing the men's race in August. So women's race in May, we may hear about it. But no, we're still none the wiser about the women's race. Um which is a shame like you want to get excited about it like it's hopefully going to be a big race it's long and it's in May and yeah but we literally have no clue no clue what part of Spain it's in what stages are going to be like so we wait for that hopefully it won't be too long because you know riders who are targeting it need to be able to think about that um pretty soon so yeah hopefully when the dust has settled on the men's race announcement we will hear a bit more about the new of Welter Feminina
0: Hopefully, because it's kind of just like if you're going to try and put yourself on, you know, have a, have a women's race organized by the same um, people as the men's race and try and have it on an equal footing and make it, you know, feel like a grand tour, like the Tour de France Femmes done, then you need to, like the Tour de France Femmes done, have things run in the same timeline and have the same like priority given to the the races. So like the Tour de France did the route reveals at the same time which is how it should be especially when the women's race comes earlier than the men's race um and people want to plan their lives we need to know it's may are we gonna go where are the stages like you know and for the riders and stuff like in the teams it just, yeah i just don't think it, it's just not good enough really to not for for a big race like this to not have any details of the route when we're sort of it's four months five months out
1: no and I think if, if these races want to compete with the Tour de France fam which I know a lot of them do and they don't want to be pushed out by the big new shiny Tour de France fam then you also need to kind of step up to the level don't you so yeah
0: exactly and um new in on the dock as we've been speaking <laughs> Tuddle, what's life plus wahoo
1: well this morning can't believe with. We ignored this fact, but Wah- uh, lacole Wahoo, formerly known as, have announced their new title sponsor, which is a health and wellness brand called Life Plus. So, they will be in the peloton in 2023. We imagine with a slightly reduced budget, but they're not going anywhere, which is a good thing. And the original stuff that they released was very um, green, like the colour scheme, and I got a bit excited about having a green kit, but now I'm looking yeah. at it and it's all black. So I don't know oh. if I was colorblind or if <laughs> or if they've changed it. <laughs> but we don't have much green, do we? Let's see. No, I think green green could be could be a nice colour, a nice dark green. I really like that. So uh yeah, they say they're going to announce the the full race program and their final rider lineup. We know a lot of riders have left, but there are a lot who were still attached to that team. So yeah, hopefully we'll have some news there. And I think that's just an Some good news to start the year. That's not a team that anyone wanted to see drop out of the peloton.
0: No, not at all. It's great that the team's going to carry on. I think, unfortunately, that they've you know hemorrhaged quite a few riders and potentially don't have as big a budget, but they've been in this position before and and built their way back up again. So hopefully we see them um, just continue to be the great team that we know them as and kind of go from there um they did have ambitions to go into the world tour at some point so yeah would be great to see a british team be able to do that um so yeah that's it really i think we've uh, we've covered it all that's the week so without further ado who is our guest this week tilda
1: This week, we have a chat with Sophie Capewell. We recorded it just before Christmas. And Sophie is a British track sprinter. So she came up through the GB um, Track Academy program. She has several national titles on the track as a junior and now an elite. Um, She was part of the team kind of in the run up to Tokyo, but didn't compete in Tokyo. Um, And then she's kind of been competing for the senior team in international competitions since 2021 she took bronze at worlds in her first senior worlds um and then in 2022 she just had a pretty pretty massive year um she took a silver medal and a bronze medal in the kyrian and the 500 meter time trial at the birmingham commonwealth games which is as close as it gets to a home commonwealth games for her even though the the um the track was held down in london but you know she's a girl from the midlands it's got to be you've got to take it where you can get and then she went on to take bronze at worlds um and yeah we kind of spoke to her about a lot of things because off the track she's quite vocal about things like menstrual health and she's a photographer and she's at uni so yeah it was quite a a wide-ranging conversation um and we hope you will enjoy hearing from Sophie as much as we did
0: Sophie how are you doing I know you've been injured recently yeah, it's been
2: a little bit frustrating, but rehab's going well, and uh, training's still taking over, so I'm good on that front.
0: Just tell us a little bit about um, about your season. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, Sophie is a track sprinter. Um, so yeah, what's your 2022 season been like?
2: Bit of a roller coaster, if I'm honest. Um, we started the year with a Nations Cup in Glasgow, which is amazing racing in front of a home crowd um, having the GV jersey on for the first time the first international competition this year but also the first time really that we've had a crowd since COVID um, which in itself is like a pretty amazing experience but we went through a bit of a transition with coaches um, and our new coach Carly McCulloch literally (laughs) arrived off the plane and drove straight to Glasgow Um, so that was a bit of a learning curve Um, and it was a bit of a mixed bag of a comp for me Um, But as the season's gone on, we went into Commonwealth Games next, which was again, home crowd, absolutely phenomenal. Something special about that London velodrome and that legacy it holds. And yeah, it went pretty well for me. (laughs) Managed to come away with a couple of medals and a lot of lessons learned um, because it wasn't like a standout in every area kind of performance, um, which kind of made those medals a little bit sweeter. Um, And it was also very special for me because I lost my dad last year, but Commonwealth Games is something we always spoke about because it was a home Commonwealth Games. It just felt that little extra bit special. Um, So that was a massive highlight of the year. Moving forward, we uh, crashed at the European Championships, which was a bit of a surprise. Um, The way it all happened was a bit of a blur. Um, But yeah, finished the year off strong with a bronze medal at the World Championships, which is, again, something that's uh, very special. So
1: Yeah, and obviously two medals at Commonwealth Games, well, nearly three, I guess, as well, was obviously Mm -hmm. huge. But being kind of, I guess you hadn't raced against everyone for a little while, being in summer. Did you go into it expecting to come away with that many medals? Was it a surprise or yeah, were you kind of like, yes, I'm going for these? Uh, Yeah, it was a surprise. (laughs) We've
2: been targeting the world all year because that's our big goal and coming into Olympic qualification we needed to really put something down on the table Um, so that meant that the commies was a little bit undercut in in the nicest phrases possible so went in a bit tired, not quite as quick as like we would be going in peak form um, so everything was kind of a bit of a bonus and that first night the Welsh girls who are also our teammates got a bronze medal and I kind of sat there and I was like I really really want one and then the second night was a sprint and I just kind of ran out of legs and nearly got the bronze but my teammate Emma put me to it and I was just like every every night it was like that I need that I want that so yeah it was pretty sweet uh, didn't expect it but it was a nice little reward
0: and um I get uh, one thing that I find interesting about track racing I guess and riders that focus exclusively on track which obviously is a sprinter you do um is the pressure of kind of you you end up having to kind of just peak for these like specific events whereas I guess on the road for example there's loads of races so there's always a second chance like the following weekend how do you cope with that
2: yeah I think that it's something that a lot of a lot of riders across the world ask themselves the same questions especially now that our season is even more well there's less events basically we used to have six world cups and now we have three what very similar but they're called nations cups um so every race now it feels more and more crucial um so there's a lot of communication with the coaching staff and with like got team psychologists and it's all that open like how you're feeling it's quite a big thing uh, for us but also we all focus on processes as much as we can because you can only control what you can control at the end of the day. Anyone else could be doing everything else. But if you're doing everything you can do, there's nothing really more that you can add to that. So, yeah, keep your eyes on yourself, basically.
0: And um, in the events as well, so I guess I've become a bit obsessed with um, track sprinting recently because I watched the World Champs. But I used to, So it's not about me, but I used to watch (laughs) um, Victoria Pendleton and Anna Meets, and I used to love watching them and I've recently like kind of rekindled this because the thing that I love so much about it is like the drama and the competitiveness and (laughs) I always wonder like how do these people deal with like being there and there's just two of them and they're just like watching each other and like like how does that feel? Well I love it, (laughs) it feels like a game
2: Um, and I think there's been a few like in the last few years there's been a few riders who come have come out and have like really taken on that staring at your opponent and like that challenge and it's all about the ego and the swaggy you all can track center with um but yeah you've got to make sure you're self-assured because there are people who that will psych them out completely um whereas sometimes I'm trying not to laugh on the line (laughs) because I know what they're trying to do (laughs) so yeah I think it's just making sure that you like know what you need to do in that situation and back yourself as much as like you know
1: that they're backing themselves and I don't know if this is like me being really uh not in tune with track racing but does it seem like women's um sprinting is kind of on the up I know there's kind of more um especially in the Olympics with like equality of events and stuff and it used to be like I don't know I'll just think of it as this like insanely manly type of cycling with like these huge men. But it seems like now, especially with like your younger generation at BC, like there's really a new generation of track sprinters coming up. Does it feel like that from the inside? Massively. Um
2: I was one of the only girls of my age who ended up like being on the program and you you grow up and you want to be racing as many people as possible. So I'd be ra- riding up the categories to make sure we get in the competition with the girls. If you look at it now, I mean, I can't necessarily speak for the younger categories, but there's like 11 of us on the programme currently, and there's a lot of strength and depth going further down the squad. Um, so just in this country alone, it's come on hugely. Um, and then worldwide, yeah, I think everyone's stepped forward. And with the equality, it's just next level it's the same but it's not the same because women ride a little bit differently to the men but it's just as exciting and the tactics are like there and I think it's just as exciting and yeah there's been a big push forward and it's been progressing so fast that that's making it even more exciting because everything's changing all the time you don't know who's going to win
0: um and hopefully that's going to be me (laughs) (laughs) um obviously with sprinting as well like one of the biggest um components of your training is gym work um roughly like how much how what is the split there like what kind of gym work and how much do you end up doing uh
2: at the moment nearly half of our training is in the gym um it's kind of classes off season at the moment it's a bit complicated because this year the season end and the season starts really short um which is not really typical um but yeah about 50% just under is in the gym because obviously there's a lot of force going through the pedals um, so the quickest way we can generate more strength is through lots of gym training so squatting leg press all of that stuff um, is nearly as important at the moment as on bike stuff that will shift a little bit more as we get closer to racing there will be a lot more on the bike and a lot less in the gym um, but now we're trying to get as strong as possible
1: I guess you have to like it to an extent but do you like all the gym stuff because I imagine when you start cycling you don't imagine spending half your time in the gym but you can't hate it that much.
2: Yeah, I quite like it. It changes it up a little bit. Um there are times where you're just in a lot of pain a lot of the time, but overall we're all a little bit masochistic anyway, getting into sprinting. Um, you live in a lot of pain in the effort and after the effort. So yeah, um but it's a lot of fun and it changes a lot. So that makes it a little bit easier. It's not like the monotonous of you go in, you do the same session every day. Um which is quite nice. Um and yeah, a little bit of a change of scenery. Get out the shed for a little bit of time
0: yeah you mentioned about like the pain of the efforts and stuff and you hear about people that like have gone so hard that they like vomit have you ever done that that's a really horrible question to ask but I just <laughs> want to know because so, I've heard it
2: <laughs> yeah um that sprint day at commies I was not in a good place <laughs> couldn't get off the track side um that's probably the worst I've ever been but like some of my friends it's kind of like habitual now um, which is not the avenue I want to go down, but you put yourself in a lot of pain and your body finds one way to deal with it. And for some people, that's just finding the nearest bin. Um, but other people are like, I just have to sit there and hope the pain goes away very soon. <laughs> uh,
0: a lot of time spent on the rollers. Yeah, because you're worn down as almost as important, right? Once you get off the track. Yeah, yeah we just need to get that like
2: lactic feeling out of our legs, otherwise... You gonna have some very le- heavy legs for some quite some time.
0: Yeah. And also because I guess with track, like you have potentially like multiple events in one one night or one meet or whatever it's called. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. How do you kind of how does that kind of work? Like how how do you make sure that you're ready for multiple events in one? At one yeah, time?
2: I think you have to make sure that you're quite fit in general because that helps you recovery in between um, efforts a bit. But then it's also like, the we call it a taper into the competition. You have to make sure you get that right so that you're maintaining all your speed, getting faster every day. You're going to have done all your fitness at the start of the season to carry you through, and then you you do all those rehearsals and you've done all the racing throughout the season, and you hope hope you've done enough of those intervals and anything that's been, like, very lactic-y to kind of give you that repeatability on the day um, or throughout the whole week because it could be team sprint, sprint 500 and Kieran, and that could be nearly five days on the trot. Um, so yeah, it's all done basically in the season leading up to it in terms of fitness and getting the repeatability of efforts in, um, which is obviously the lovely sessions where you're doing as many se- efforts as you
1: can and the rest is really short and things like that. So, And um, one of the reasons I think we wanted to talk about talk to you as well is because you've kind of spoken quite openly about things outside of cycling or things that aren't just yeah results and racing um and one of the things that I saw you did a little video at um the track Champions League about it was about talking about periods in sport and you know we talk a lot about equality and women in sport and all the things that go with that um but yeah can you tell us a little bit about kind of what what having those conversations kind of means to you
2: yeah, I think I've been really fortunate um throughout my time in sport that people have had quite an honest and open conversation with me so that that made me feel in a really comfortable place and confident place like to be a woman in sport. I think it can be overlooked a little bit that you do your phasing and your coach right your program and you just crack on with the training and that's the way it is. Whereas that might be it for the men but it's not quite that straightforward for women um with like the hormones that we go through in our periods it can be like quite difficult to be as consistent as you'd like to be and to do the training because it's not just a matter of oh are you fatigued that day it's there's the week before or like on your period you can feel more fatigued and obviously you've got cramping and like the very obvious symptoms, but there's just so much more that goes along with it. Um, and it can be really off putting for young women. Um, and like, and There's a massive dropout rate. And like, I feel really privileged that I've been in the position I've been, that with a lot of my coaches, it's been super open and honest conversations and it's not felt like a taboo subject, but for, it's not, it's not the case for a lot of other women. Um, but alongside that, there's all this research and like, data from previous years that was never really done on women because of that external factor it meant it's a lot harder to do the research and get the results you want because there's an extra variable in that mix. Um, and we want that to change. We want to know what's going to make us better and faster. And I think that's what's also led to women's sprinting coming on so much in the last years because there's started to be all that research and that fight for like, well hang on a minute, why why is it different for women or what are their strengths and what advantages do they have and how can we adapt their training that's not just the same as the men's because ultimately, physiologically, whether we like it or not, we're different. And yeah, we, we want to celebrate that and use that as a strength and it not just be seen as, oh, you know, and not use the word and it be like, oh well, they're on the time of the month and that's the way it is. No, we're on our period and it's going to affect me like this. Um and yeah, it's important that we talk about
0: it. Yeah, it's interesting you talked about um research and, and that too, because I guess especially with a discipline that does so much, has so much gym work. So there's like um, research that has gone into kind of like what muscles or what muscle groups are best. What am I trying to say? That like you can activate more at certain times of the month. And it's just all this new research that's kind of only just being done about how like 50% of the population respond to exercise and ad- adaptation at different times of the month. Um, but do mm. you... Are you using any of that or are your coaches using any research like that or looking into that kind of thing with it when it comes to your training?
2: It's um I mean there's a lot of staff at British Lycon who are the brains behind a lot of the operation and things like that. There's been um people looking into so women have a lot more lower back um injuries than, than men typically. Um and that's due to the fact that our skeletons are different in just Generally, um, but also hormones can play a factor into that. Um, and so, like, there's some athletes who do less loading around their period to minimise that. Um, I think your ligaments become a lot more like malleable. I mean, don't quote me; I'm not quite the scientist on this, but they're like more susceptible to stretching. So, like, some athletes who are really heavily affected by it, they'll take a little bit of weight off that week. And like personally, I it's not really off the research but I know that the week before I start my period I find it really hard to brace and I feel a lot more fatigued so I'm just really conscious then that I'm not pushing on knowing that I'm going to struggle a little bit which could lead to injury for example so there's a whole big team and they're always open for conversations and always reading the latest articles but it's also about knowing yourself so
0: yeah do you track your cycle and train according to that yeah
1: yeah it's funny because it's not something that um because we come from a fairly road focused background and it's just not you know even just having the conversation about it and is like not even happening let alone how you can kind of harness it um to to train best like do you think that's something to do with the fact that track cycling is in general a little bit more scientific and numbersy and focused on that or is it more like a cultural thing, not to like you know, numbersy. <laughs> numbersy. That's a word. <laughs> I know what
2: you mean. <laughs> um maybe a little bit. I think that I might be speaking out of turn here that tracks become a li- it's easy to be more equitable men and women right now on the track than on the road because of it's all at the same event. Um the crowd's not going anywhere in between. Um and it's become a very level pegging and we're getting to the point where like the way it's viewed is like very much like that. I think there's been huge, huge improvements on the road, um, but there's still a gap. And I think it's almost led, not led by the men in terms of like they're running it, but the the bigger voices are the men currently. So if you want to be heard, you've got to shout really loud. um, And that's why the narrative needs to change. I mean, the whole we've got the women's tour de France now, which is absolutely phenomenal. So hopefully that's gonna give the last like big leg up. Um so that it is, like on par. But yeah, I think it's become so level on chat that it means that everyone's got a voice at the moment, which is really nice. Um it's also very empowering. So and we train with the lads and we make them listen. So
0: <laughs> yeah, what I was gonna say, what are their what are your male teammates like response to this? are they open to talking about it like or are they like periods <laughs> they
2: don't roll their eyes when we talk about it so <laughs> i think that's a good sign no, they're all pretty good like they'll, we can talk to them about anything and they're all really supportive um it's just a it's a nice team
0: <laughs> well it was inter- I was kind of thinking I was like one of the few people I've interviewed that have spoken openly about this was Ellen Barker one of your GB teammates so and she was talking about endometriosis which is a whole different kettle of fish with this yeah. stuff so um yeah it's just great that there's more more conversation around it i guess yeah definitely um okay yeah you well that's yeah you were talking about um the increase in like e- equality on the track and um i think it's is kind of or at least there's efforts being made for it to grow quite a lot as a discipline and one of those things is the track champions league um, what's your experience with that? Like, and what do you think it's doing for for track cycling? Um,
2: so last year was the first year of the Track Champions League, uh, and you get invited off the back of the world championships. So it ends up being the top 18 riders in each discipline. Um, and I think it's great. I love track cycling, and I think that everyone will love track cycling if they give it a chance. Um especially like being biased as a sprinter and we've spoken a little bit about it already. It's just so exciting. The whole cat and mouse and the racing and it's always adrenaline pumped and there are big egos on the track and there is always drama in some element and um, and bringing it onto a bigger stage, like there's so many things. One, hopefully it's going to get loads more people into track cycling. Um, I love it. So I want all the kids to love it and all the adults to love it and all that side of things and then it also provides us with an opportunity to race on a big stage like it doesn't feel like any other competition the crowd has been sold out most of the time um which then makes us feel like you're part of a bigger thing and it it fuels that adrenaline side and it fuels that you want to race well and really pushes you on so that's another side and then obviously there's a financial side being in sprinting it can be quite hard to like find sponsors and stuff and it gives us the opportunity to kind of break outside of our national governing body roles and ride for yourself and get some sponsors and earn a little bit of money on the side which always helps at the moment um but I think it's just yeah it's a big like feels like a showcase but it's got the athletes really at heart um and yeah I mean who doesn't love track cycling? (laughs) so yeah push it out to the wider world
0: yeah we're converts for sure
1: (laughs) we are we are there's something just so like it's just so easy to understand and I mean obviously we've been watching track for ages what are you you saying about (laughs) us (laughs) tilda well you know but you know even when you watch the olympics there's like 500 different events and I think probably naturally we would uh look at the endurance and understand that a bit more just because there's names that like we would know but I think having both the disciplines on like really equal footing at Champions League I think for us like one thing we've definitely noticed is it has really opened our eyes to the sprinting side and I think we really enjoy it a lot more so I think that is hopefully yeah like getting cycling audiences in general into all forms of track cycling not just like oh yeah Casey Archibald but you know, I mean, know KD well, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah I completely agree it's so accessible and the way mm-hmm. it's structured like I think it it's made for people to be able to watch that's the whole purpose is people to watch that so they want to make it as easy to understand and as much information that is needed as possible so yeah really cool
0: Yeah so you kind of wrote about that didn't you about how it's kind of almost not designed for like the cycling geek who already Mm -hmm. is really into the sport it's kind of designed for like a mass audience of people who might stumble upon it or just go for the vibes or whatever it is which is really cool also speak for yourself about um only just getting into sprinting I've got a (laughs) t-shirt about like Victoria Pendleton it says like Queen Victoria I was obsessed okay
1: okay okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The one thing I wanted to ask, like you did mention it, it, it is sometimes a little bit more like a showcase, and it's kind of like a party vibe. But how does it compare in terms of how you value like the results there as an athlete compared to something like Euros or a Nations Cup or Worlds?
2: Yeah, it's a big showcase on the outside, but in the pens, it's pretty serious, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. especially amongst the top contenders. Um, it's a bit difficult. The time of year because I really need to take time off this year so I went in pretty cold um which meant that it wasn't quite as high up on my um hit list let's say as it would have well as I would have liked it to have been I think the exposure you get to racing best people in the world is such a big advantage like opportunity and advantage going forward um but yeah over the next few years like it'd be nice for it to be really high up on my hit list um however i really needed some time off of the world so this year wasn't so much um and unfortunately i had to pull out anyway but yeah i think over the next few years it's going to become a bigger and bigger and better point on everybody's calendars
0: which is only going to make it more exciting i want to know is matilda grow really that scary in person she looks no. so scary. <laughs>
2: <It's>
0: absolutely <laughs> lovely until she gets on the track <laughs> <laughs> have you have you been on the receiving end of that stare
2: no not yet I've raced against her quite a, a bit this year but she didn't pick me as one of her targets so <laughs> <that's okay. laughs> have you oh, got no, what's
0: no. your like vibe when you're like doing that like when you're in the zone and you're going up on the track are you trying to be like really like mm, or are you kind of like just doing your own thing
2: I like to be calm and comp- like not like really calm but like a calm confidence so like it's like a you're not getting overhyped but you're not completely like chilled out um, so like yeah you walk on the track you, you do look at the rider maybe not quite as intently as uh, you've seen some of the girls do but yeah there's that like it's almost like quiet confidence isn't it that's kind of like what I like to sit in um, before I go. Nice
0: um, and yeah you mentioned how like you needed a break after Worlds this year because it's been pretty busy um, but next year is also kind of a weird one and then it's already like the run-up to Paris so yeah. <laughs> what's what are your like goals how are you planning that out for yourself next year?
2: Yeah so Olympic qualification starts um this coming season um and we've got European championships we've got the Nations Cups um and then we've got the mega worlds in Glasgow um which is my big target for next year. Um, a home world championships before the games is something that is massive opportunity, very special. And considering how well this world went, I think it's given a lot of the team, a lot of motivation and encouragement for next year. So that's where next year is like leading. And that's going to be all in preparation for Paris. Then I feel like it's come around very fast. Um, training as the reserve with Katie and then all of a sudden now we're looking into Paris. But it's quite an exciting time because as we mentioned earlier, there's so many of us. So yeah, I think Worlds is going to be number one on the hit list for 2023.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to Olympic qualification, like how is that process for you as an athlete? Like do you feel confident that you will qualify, that you'll get a place in the team and stuff like that? Or is it still a bit like it's really fighting for your place um all oh, yeah? Um, it is very much a battle
2: with like Olympic qualification because there's almost like two things that go on at the same time. You've got, we want to qualify the team sprint for Paris and we are going to do it this time around. Um, we've, everyone on the team is on board. We've all talked through qualification and how we're going to work as a team and everything going forward. So you've got that side, but then alongside qualifying a spot for the games, you want to be the one going to the games mm so there's always going to be that internal competition um and you've almost got to remember to keep your eye on the big prize because if you want to be the best when it comes to paris that's that's the number one you can compete internally as much as you like but if you compete internally as much as you like and you don't make it to paris and you're not the best in paris you you've missed you've missed the mark so it's just reminding yourself what the bigger picture is all the time because it can be quite hard at times when you're having a bad week and you're not going as fast as you'd like and there's somebody banging on the door or they're beating you at the time. Um, but yeah, it's always thinking about that bigger picture and uh, playing the long game.
0: <laughs> and how does that affect the dynamic in the team? Because obviously you're you're like competing against your teammates, really. So how do you kind of balance that with also obviously you get on with them or I imagine it seems like you all go on. So
2: Yeah, we almost like have this like unwritten agreement that that's the way it should be. Um, I mean, Carly keeps us in check if we if we step out of line, but you've got to remember that we need each other to get to the end goal um, in the first place. And I think that rings true throughout the team. And that's something that has been said a lot for a long time now. We don't want the reason that we let let, for example, don't make it to Paris to be because we've all been bothering about each other and have like squabbles when ultimately we all want the same thing. So yeah, it's just, again, like the staff or us reminding ourselves of that bigger picture there are always going to be conflicts along the way not necessarily like full-blown arguments but someone's going to be upset by a decision that's made about selection or something so yeah it's just keeping that big thing in mind and talking about it
0: and to decompress from all of that um I don't really need to say what do you do because I've seen from Instagram that you're a really keen photographer um talk to us a little bit about that because there's some stunning shots on that account of like the Lake District and some portraits so you're obviously really talented at it so where did that come from?
2: Thanks um we actually went on a training camp to Montechiari in Italy and I was before we went it was I think that was my first international training camp and it's Italy it's beautiful So I was like, I really want to take a camera. So I asked my mum and dad at the time, I was like, can I please borrow your DSLR? I want to go take it to Italy with me. Um, It's going to be really pretty, like, please, please, please. They're like, yeah, no worries, took it away. Had the best time, came away with loads of like, actually probably really bad pictures, but I really enjoyed myself. And like, they're just memories at the end of the day. You keep hold of them. So then I kind of got the bug for it and everywhere I went then I started taking the camera and then after some time I was like well I want my own so I bought my own and now it's become like a little carry-on and always in the airport I have to go at the end of the line because I'm pulling out all of my bits <laughs> of equipment but it's it's really nice because it, it's like making your memories permanent and that's the reason I kind of started it but I've got the bug for it now and I'm probably gonna be end up taking everyone's Instagram pictures over the next few years. Um, but yeah, like it's led to some pretty cool things. I did some photos for El Barker and like one's in Cycling Weekly and one's in Roulette magazine. And like, that's a really proud achievement because even though it's to do with cycling, it's not. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a nice little addition <laughs> onto the side, so yeah.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. And you, so you're not trained at all. You just started it for fun.
2: Yeah, just started as a hobby, YouTube, internet, all the documents online, asking a friend. <laughs> That's how I kind of got into it. Um, That's yeah. awesome.
0: Is that something you would think about maybe doing as a career after sport? Or is it just yeah. going to be a hobby?
2: Yeah? Uh, maybe. Depends how sport goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just keeping my options open.
0: <laughs> Fair I've got enough.
2: a degree going on the other side, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, so that was the next thing. Yeah, so you're also studying as well, so when you're not like in the gym on the track taking pictures you're studying (laughs) um how tell us a bit about that you're studying at Loughborough if I'm right yeah
2: Loughborough University I'm doing a maths degree um I'm in what is my second year um right at the moment and I'm doing it a stretch degree because of racing at the moment it's pretty hectic and I think I'd be finding it hard to keep up um but it's something that I've always enjoyed at school and my, I'm, I'm the kind of person who kind of needs I need to use my brain basically otherwise I don't know what to do with myself so yeah uni and it's it's
1: hard but
2: I get a lot from it so
1: yeah yeah we were saying it's 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 rare that like a sports person is doing a degree and it's not like sports science or sports psychology or sports management is that kind of a benefit to you that you can kind of just switch off a little bit because it's so far removed from from racing
2: yeah and I kind of picked that I. picked tossed up the idea of like doing something that I'm like oh it's going to help my career but I read all the articles that all the staff send me anyway and do all my extra research around the area so I wanted to pick something that was away from cycling so it could be something that when I'm doing it it's switching off and if I did choose at some point that I didn't want to do anything to do with cycling or sport I have that option now um although I love it so it's probably not going to happen but yeah and it's just nice to change things up a little bit and yeah do something different
1: yeah it sounds as though even though sport can be so like all-consuming and you can get a bit one-track mind about it like you've got a pretty good balance going on
2: yeah and it's pushed really heavily at British Cycling we've got um performance lifestyle advisors who have been working hard for years and years to try and get people to think about life outside of cycling because as much as it's all sport as much as it's amazing and fun and I love it, and I know nearly like everyone who's I've spoken to loves it. Like, there's going to be a point where you need a break or you need to leave it. Um, and and I've seen a big change in a lot of people who've started to make their circle a little bit bigger and develop as a person. And it impacts you on and off the bike. So, like, if it's going to help, why not?
0: Yeah, definitely. It's always interesting when you interview riders like the ones who have like really thought about life outside of cycling and there's ones that kind of haven't so much and you kind of wonder like when they quit like what's actually going to happen to you (laughs) but yeah no it sounds like you've got a really good um a good sense of like who you are and what you like and outside of the sport (laughs) as well which is really good a lot of
2: work's gone into that (laughs) yeah but also like it makes the fact that when you're riding a lot more fun doing something outside because don't have that fear of well if it goes badly what am I going to do with my life it's like oh well if it goes badly it's just gone badly this one competition I've got x y and z to fall back on so you can enjoy it a little bit more um which is kind
0: of why we do it in the first place so yeah perspective is very important yeah um I think Toto is there anything else you wanted to grill
1: Sophie about (laughs) (laughs) no I think we've covered a lot there it's been yeah really interesting we're speaking just before Christmas. What are you about to do for Christmas? Have you got some time off the gym? I presume you're not lifting weights on Christmas Day. <laughs> I'm Maybe not that's lifting coming. weights on Christmas Day. Definitely <laughs> not.
2: Uh, I'm clearing enough room this week to like pull the food. <laughs> yeah, I'm going um, home to my family and we're all going to spend Christmas together, which would be really nice. And I've got a little bit of um i've got a rest week well timed with christmas oh lovely i'm very grateful to my coaches who (laughs) managed to plan that extremely well um because a lot of people are training hard over christmas but yeah get a little bit of downtime family time really important stuff so
0: yeah nice well enjoy that and have a lovely christmas and thank you so much for coming on the podcast thanks for having me really great to chat to sophie i think she's got some really great Ideas and a really good perspective on life and on the sport. I think it's really great that she's so balanced and has so many other interests outside of cycling as well. So yeah, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Sophie. Um, we've got some exciting things coming up um, at Women's Cycling Weekly this year. Um, very shallow, uh, first of all. But if you haven't noticed, we have had a cheeky little rebrand with our logo, um, thanks to Abby Van Twisk. Former cyclist, you might know her. Um, so that's the first thing, um, and the next is that we're going to bring you some socials, make things a little bit more interactive. Um, but we are just looking forward to bringing more racing content, being at some races on the ground, and just get just bringing you bigger and better things in twenty twenty three. Um, first and foremost. We're looking forward to Tour Down Under, which starts on Sunday. Yes, feels weird that a race starts on Sunday. It's fifteenth, no
1: Sunday. Yeah, I keep thinking Um, Saturday, but it's Saturday, maybe in the UK. Well, it's Saturday night. Ah, yes.
0: Honestly, too much. That's confusing. Yeah, yeah. So I guess when we wake up on in Europe, if you wake up on like Sunday morning, no Saturday evening. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. <laughs> anyway, the, t- the door down under starts this weekend. Um, <laughs> so the world tour gets underway already, um, which is very exciting. Um, so yeah, if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, what you're doing, why not get yourself over to Women's Cycling Weekly on Substack, Mammal Repeller, M-A-M-I-L, Repeller.substack.com and it will yeah. be in the description click the it link it will be in the description yeah there was no need for me to go through all of that um click the link in the description listen to tilda don't listen to me um and that's all for this week so thanks for listening thanks for joining us and see you next time bye man, Bye. I have turned the of this night, but the beauty- a rich man